Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more lights, more love. I have another amazing guest. Her name is Tina Michelle. She has such a rich history. She has so much going on. I don't even know where to begin. So we're just going to dive into the podcast to talk about her life. But man, I'm super honored she's here. Tina Michelle. But first, before we talk to Tina, I need you to do something for me. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. If you go there, follow me puts me in your feed. Other people that are interested in these topics see it. It just gets the messages out more. What these guests are trying to get out to people, it gets out even farther. And you can help me by doing that. Follow me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, you can follow me there. And it connects us. You get the notifications. And of course, most importantly, please tell a friend, tell someone you know, that loves these type of podcasts. It's word of mouth. It's the energy dispersing from person to person like synaptic firings is what grows this audience. It's what gets this information out there more. My service, their service, it just expands. It's a positive thing. Midnightonearth.com. All right. So now I got my social media shout out out of the way. I'm going to read Tina's bio. Tina Michelle is a psychic, intuitive, and healer who has been teaching and helping people for over 30 years. As a full-time professional psychic and angelologist, workshop leader, as well as guest speaker on the topics of near-death, awakening your psychic self, and angels. She's traveled the world speaking on the power within us all and the connections we can all make, even in our darkest hours. Tina Michelle is also the creator and founder of Discovering Your Enlightenment Spiritual Learning Series, an online learning environment for psychic arts and metaphysical studies. She has made numerous television and media appearances and has been cited in several publications on these topics. Tina also manages the Spirit Heart Cruises, a metaphysical cruise experience, and she has a teaching site, healingheartsacademy.com, where you can learn some of these things, the process to become more psychic and intuitive. And I'm so glad she's here with us today. Thank you, Tina, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're trying to help people. We're trying to get this information out. Humans have been suppressed. Our gifts, our psychic gifts, our intuitive gifts have been suppressed by societal paradigms. And we need to unlock human potential. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to unlock human potential. So I think we're doing a really good thing. But I want, I want to talk to you about your life. Like, I know this started early for you, just reading your bio. Started at age five. Yes. So tell me about mm-hmm. your that first activation experience. Well, I drowned. Uh, I was born in West Virginia, and we had what could only be called the cement pond, just like off the hillbillies, okay, Beverly Hillbillies, because 
It was actually the footer for a basement that they concreted over and made a pool. Oh, so um, there was no three feet, four feet. It was all 10 feet. That's it. And uh, uh, like every other little child growing up back in the 60s, I had on uh, the ring of death, you know, that inflatable thing that goes around your waist that if you lift your arms up, you go straight down, which I did. And um, when I went down, I panicked and um, hit the bottom. And I remember something shoving me back up to the top and uh, I was resuscitated. And from that point on, I could see angels around people. And at first I thought it was like chlorine. You know how you get chlorine in your eyes and you'll see blues and greens and different things around people. That's never left. Some sort of visual distortion from the chemical you thought at first. It's almost a, yeah, it's like a prismy living being that uh, I didn't realize what it was at first. I was five years old, but then they started playing with me. I was raised as an only child, even though I, I wasn't, but I was raised that way. And um, they would play with me and teach me things with little people. I don't know if you might be too young for that, but we had these things called little people. Okay. And uh, I had the whole series. Are they like Legos or Playmos, something similar like that? Uh, Playmobil only vintage okay okay and uh i would play with them constantly and but i was doing human behavior you know as an adult i look back and i'm like oh the mailman was taking the letter to the farmer lady telling her husband had died and she didn't know what to do so she sold the farm to the man who ran the you know the the country store and i was playing human behavior right and seeing human interaction and um by looking back on my own play as a child, it's really shown me how children um, actually learn development. And um, so, I mean, it teaches, it taught me empathy and it taught me, or it brought forth my empathy, should I say. And it taught me human interaction, at which I'm just not sure kids are getting that anymore. And we may be seeing that in society in the next uh, 10 to 20 years. It's something that's going to be needed to be corrected for sure. As the digitization of education has created isolation from other humans. It's just, you don't get that social development, but you said the angels played with you, the sparkling beings. They They played with me. How did they they play with you? What did they do exactly? Well, I had this, my mother had had a, a garage sale and I had every, uh, little people play set alive okay. and I set it in a circle and I would sit in the middle of the circle and the angels sat on the outside. I didn't know they were angels then. Right. You know, I just thought they were just sparkly people is what I called them. And I would hear what would happen if this would happen? How would you act if this would happen? It was like a training that went on with me, you know, so I would play it out with the little people. And I think a lot of our children, if you'll watch their play, they're somewhere else. They're being guided. You know, they're, you know, we call it their imagination, but how can they imagine things they have no construct for things they've never experienced things they've never even heard of being experienced. So we have to look beyond what is, you know, typical child's play and look into the construct and what they know. Yeah. They don't know. There's some sort of, 
energy exchange, some sort of portals being opened up as a child between these dimensions, it seems like. And, yes. and they're just, I agree. They're not told that those things aren't normal yet. So therefore right. they're, they're just processing the information as it presents itself. Like I tell, um, like I tell a lot of my, my parents that are clients, I'm saying, don't, you know, if he, if he colors Aunt Judy is blue, don't, don't tell him Aunt Judy's not blue. He's seeing her. She's blue. Uh, you know, whether it's an aura and an angel overcast, uh, somebody from another place, who knows, but we have to start believing what our children are seeing because they have not been untaught. They have not unlearned from the other side. They still have that ability. Right. And maybe it's so, in our as a child, DNA. That's, that's how I worked with the angels until I was nine. Wow. But that wasn't your first near-death experience, was it? There was other situations that activated you as well. That was, that was my first that I know of. But uh, from what I understand, when I was really small, I used to just sit and pass out and go unconscious for no reason. <gasps> and they never figured out what that was. Looking back on my life, I mean, I've never really been alone. Um, I've had a, um, I chose a, a number nine lifetime this lifetime. And some of your listeners will know what that means. So, I mean, I didn't, I, I chose a particularly challenging life. But um, it was for accelerated learning. I can see that now. Again, hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. Um, <laughs> it's great if you can get hindsight before the situation called a psychic vision. That's, that's always helpful. But um, yeah, and then I, I, the next time I died, I was nine years old. Yeah, tell me about and, that. Um, well, we had rheumatic fever in West Virginia. It was running rampant and I had it. And all of the hospitals were full. So um, uh, my mother was sent home with me and uh, she sat beside my bed. I had a temperature of 104 for nine days. Oh, my God. I don't know how I even made it. I mean, they would they would bathe you in ice cubes now if you had something like that, probably. But I would wake up and she would be beside my bed. And then I woke up one time and she wasn't. And um Actually, I was in her bed, not my bed. Um, but at the foot of the bed was this man in a nightgown that looked like the man in the picture above my mother's bed. And in West Virginia, if you didn't have a picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, something was wrong. Okay, <laughs> You had to have that one and him knocking on the door. Right. I know that one well. Those are the two Appalachian staples. Okay. okay. But um and he looked like the guy in the picture. And I'm, I remember going, who are you? And he came over and sat down beside the bed and he started talking to me. I have no idea what he said. I can't remember any of that. But what I do remember is he brought all these people in these, what I called Halloween costumes behind him. Okay. Which now I recognize was regalia. You know, it was uh, uh, their civilization's dressing. Um, it wasn't Halloween costumes. It was ethnic dressing from all over the world, you know, and um, from that moment on, I could see dead people. Wow. So I believe I was given the gift of mediumship with that near death experience. So near death, number two, first one, you get to see the angels. Number two, now you get to see deceased spirits. This is, must've been really powerful for you at nine years old. I mean, that's, you're still it a child. Frightening. 
Yes, it was so scary. I'm so sure. scary. And I, I tried to explain to my mother what was going on. And it's the first time I've ever heard the word psychic. And the way she said it made me, you know, feel like I was on the corner selling my wares. You know, it was like, oh, you must be a psychic or something. It was a filthy, filthy term, apparently, the way she spoke it. And oh. I didn't know what it was. It just, <laughs> it was scaring me, you know. Um, I remember oftentimes saying, I don't feel like I'm really here. I feel like I'm in a dream. Am I really here, mom? Do you really see me? And she'd say, you're crazy. Go sit down. But I was in and out of my body and didn't know it. You right. Know? You're traversing these ethereal worlds as a child and had no context like, for it. No, nothing. Because were there no. spiritual people in your life, anyone you could bounce these ideas off no. of that could validate them in any way? Oh, no, no, no. I was born and raised in Southern Missionary Baptist Church. <laughs> the one time I had a dream one time and I went to our pastor okay. um, and uh, I said, Pastor Skaggs, I said, I had a dream and God was there and he showed me two different roads, two different paths. And he said, I could take this one that was good or this one that was bad. And he goes, oh, yes, honey, the Lord is showing you the way. And, you know, back in the West Virginia, they hack a lot. I don't know if you know that. So, yes, honey, yeah. the Lord is showing you the way. That's a little and bit I'm of like, extra. Okay. I said, but at the dream, he told me it doesn't matter. In the end, we both end up in the same place. Okay. I was put on the front pew for three weeks that I had to sit in the front pew so he could watch me. Because that was because too contradictory. It was heresy. Heresy, as far as he was yes. Concerned, you know. And so he kept me there and watched me. And that taught me, keep your mouth shut. Don't tell your business. Don't, don't, don't share that because you're going to get put on the front pew. Or worse yet, yeah. baptized again. Baptized or maybe they might decide to beat the devil out of you. Who knows? They might. They may have said, <laughs> hey, it didn't take the first time. Let's do it again. So... But then um, I got married at the ripe old age of 17. Oh, wow. You waited a while. Yeah. Yeah. As long as the truth, <laughs> it was needing to be married. And I married a guy who was an EMT. And uh, we had to go to Florida for his grandfather's funeral. And I had never seen an indoor pool in my life. Okay. And uh, we stayed at a hotel, had an indoor pool, and they had been cleaning it. So they had removed the bowies between... This is three, four feet. This is not. And it was a shelf drop-off pool, meaning you're at four foot and then you're not. Right. And I was, I, I could swim by this time. Remember, I drowned the first time, so I taught myself to swim. <laughs> but we were having an argument in the pool because I was 17 and knew everything. And um, my back was to him and I was walking up the middle of the pool, just, I said, and I want it this way and whatever. And. All of a sudden, my feet went out from underneath me, and I went down, and I panicked, and I drowned oh. again. Oh, my God. No. Yeah. That must have been kind of frustrating in the moment, right? You were like, damn it, again. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so he pulled me out and resuscitated me, and, you know, of course, it's quite messy when you die. You know, it's, it's never a pleasant thing to be around. And, uh, 
So I was like, okay, I'm done with that. And uh, he and I divorced shortly thereafter. So um, was he worried you were going to die again or? I, I went on to die again. <laughs> He's like, you know, just in case you might die again, I, I think I'm just going to end this right now. <laughs> exactly. We're done. Yeah, that's um, okay. Yeah, there's greener pastures for sure. Well, later in life, I married again and uh, uh, was pregnant with my second child. I had a first child from the first marriage, okay. my second child. And um, she decided to turn sideways in mid-birth. Oof. And, um, yeah, it was traumatic. And uh, we had we we both died on the operating table. Oh, my she and God. I both. Oh, my God. And uh, that's that's when I fully remember leaving my body, looking down on my body, having consciousness about being a separate entity from that body. You know, and. Right. Um, and I, uh, if I could share what it feels like, would that be okay? Of course. Yes, please. That's what we're here for. Well, when I was writing my book on this, one of the things the angels told me to tell what it felt like. And I'm like, I can't tell this to some 74-year-old Catholic lady. She'll die. <laughs> but I'm going to share it with you. Please. It's a never-ending gobstock, you know, like the uh, Willy Wonka never-ending gobstopper. It's a never-ending orgasmic experience it never stops it's constant and i was told to share that and uh because as you know probably that the french call an orgasm petite moray the little death and it's because when we die we go into ecstasy from which we came right the universe the god whatever it is you want to call it over there waiting for us is ecstasy, pure ecstasy. And uh, we have those little moments here on earth to remind us of what ecstasy is. Yes, especially with someone we deeply love and we create that true sacred exactly. union. And yep. that ecstatic orgasmic experience, you're saying, is what that other dimension is like. It is just pure. Potent, pure ecstasy. Pure potency of love and, and, and divinity and experience. And that's what they wanted you to share with people it is because when people say you know is aunt betty mad at me because you know i i took her pearls did she did she really want me to have those and i'm like she could not care less about those pearls right now <laughs> right because they're in she another all right. dimension okay she's well, doing fine well tina i often tell people i think we should change the word death and how we describe how people die to the word graduate or graduating as so when you describe someone dying, you would say, Oh, well, my sorry to say, my mother graduated. You know, it's sad, but then you get that understanding that they're going to a better place at the end. What do you exactly. think about that? We cry for ourselves. We don't cry for the deceased. Yeah. We cry for us and the fact that we miss we miss them. Yeah. And if we would if yeah. we had a cell phone to the other dimension, maybe we probably wouldn't worry that much. It's really just the lack of contact, the understanding that we're alive in that other place it's so real. very much so yeah it's, so much so yeah. you wouldn't need so much yes it's a it's a full-bodied life but what i've learned is that you know um one of the things that happens when people have near-death experiences is they get a tear in their aura and um 
I know that a lot in the metaphysical, the new age community will say, you know, oh my God, you have a tear in your aura. We need to fix this. Well, an aura is like a hymen. When it's tore, it's tore. Okay. There's no rebuilding it. Right. There's no remaking it. There's no surgical stitches. Was, well, I was actually, it. everyone makes it sound like a bad thing. So I went to the angels and I said, okay, first of all, what is an aura for? I know what it does. Everybody says it's protection. It's this, it's that. But what is it? What is it for? And it was the most simple question. And the answer was the most simple answer. It is a part of the survival instinct that keeps the soul in the body. Otherwise, you would escape at any moment. Any moment. So it's almost like a containment field, you would say. Yes. So yes. holding our spirit in the physical plane. And if we didn't have it, we'd be out of there. Let me tell you, as many times as I've been over there, if I get a hangnail that gets infected, I'm like, I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm on my way. You know, you lose your you lose your fear of death. You lose your fear. And um, which I mean, I have common sense. I'm not going to like run out in the middle of traffic or anything, but you lose your fear of being erased right i think it's the best word there is no erasure there is there isn't there isn't i mean you just go to another place to prepare another place for other people and um it's like being on a cruise ship that nobody can contact you <laughs> it's like listen i'm having a good time i'll see you when i see you okay yeah you'll get here soon you'll enough here soon enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but the aura and the tears in the aura when someone has had either deep, deep trauma to where they've left their body, uh, near-death experiences, um, shocks that have, you, you've heard of people that's gotten shocked and their hair's turned gray overnight, right? Yes, of course, like deep traumatic shock. Traumatic shots like that, things like that tear auras. And what happens, and I know it sounds bad, but what happens is, Everyone that I know that has an actual torn aura knows God listens. They feel God listen. They feel it. It's like having a conversation with you. You know, I can feel you nodding your head. I can feel you. Right. So when you have that tear in that aura and you can, half of you, part of you can leave that body and go touch that finger of God, like Michelangelo's, um, the creation of Adam. Yeah. When you can do that. And you feel God, you know, God exists. You, you have no doubt because it's as much a part of your daily life as breathing. It's like crossing a threshold of knowing, like, you now know you went from faith and wondering to actually full fledged knowing, knowing, which is a completely yes. different experience, probably vibratorily, like energetically, it's probably a different experience. Your, your frequency shifted after that point. Right. So are you saying then that you have four tears in your aura from the near-death experiences and potentially yes. more based on other life experiences? Yes. Wow. I think I'm like Swiss cheese. <laughs> I can come and go. <laughs> I mean, I can just come and go like that. And uh, it's like a lot of people have to, and, and I don't want anyone to think that I'm being braggadocious. Not at all. No, this was hard earned and hard learned. Right. But 
like a lot of people have to meditate for an hour or something before reading. I can get out of bed and do one in 20 seconds. It's just you're tapped into that frequency because it became normal for you because you've been there yes. more than average, yes. I would say. Definitely more yes. than the average person, let alone the average Absolutely. NDE survivor. You're you're up there. You're you know, once you cross two, I mean <laughs> three, four, oh my goodness. Like I'm so blessed that you're still here with us, you know, and being able to talk about these angels. And, you know, they have these messages for us, I think. What? When did you know that you needed to go and help other people? From, from, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what it was called, but when I was even going through grade school, they used to call me dear Abby. <laughs> and, and everybody's like, you're always giving people advice. And I was like, I sound like a know-it-all, but I'm hearing this stuff and I'm telling them and it's, it's making sense to them. You know, now I would say it resonates with them. But back when you're a kid, you're like, you know, maybe you should cut your mom some slack. You know, she's doing this and this and this. And they're like, yeah, maybe, you know, I mean, it would just be things that would come out of my mouth. Standing in the grocery line. Somebody said something in front of me. Out of my mouth comes one sentence and they look like I've hit them with a ball bat. It's just like, oh, my God. Because you're a random yeah, person to OMG them. Moments. Yeah, you're a random yeah. person to them. And then you said something very specific to their life and their moment. Clearly, you're channeling right. that divine. It's coming from the mystery, God, or whatever that is. The angels, right. they wanted you to say that thing. I call it God, um, which I are not too. angels. It's I, completely different. Um, the way I see it with angels, if, if I may. Yes, okay. please. The way I see it with angels is, let's just say... God is a wallet. Okay. And out of that wallet comes a dollar bill. That's us. But on the way down, we turn into four quarters, still a dollar. Okay. But now it's broken down into equal increments. Three of those quarters stand over us and watch over us. And one of them becomes physical and human. Oh my goodness. That's an incredible description. What a great metaphor for helping people understand this. I don't know which guy, I think I got the short straw and got the human. <laughs> well, I mean, you know? these angelic beings, isn't it something that we should aspire to be? Aren't they there almost as role models? No, 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 no. It's too hard. They're as humans. there. It, it, well, are, number one, are we too the flawed? angels that <laughs> I, I, I disagree with a lot of literature that's out there. Let me okay. just say that. No, I I want to hear your opinion. It's very very valuable. Because I don't I don't see them as light and love and fluff and bunnies at okay. all. Um, they are they have no emotion. So if they were to say your grandmother died, it's just like that. Your grandmother died. It's like. Bueller, Bueller, yeah. Bueller. There's no emotion. Um, they're not allowed to, if you have a destiny, let's say you're supposed to be in a car wreck because that car wreck paralyzes you and teaches you compassion and empathy for others. Okay. That is your soul design. That's your soul plan. There is no going against that soul plan. So you're not going to be like 
don't go down that street. You'll be in a wreck. They would never do that. They would never interfere with your soul destiny. But if it's not your destiny, they absolutely can redirect you. And what are the most, yes, what are the most common interactions that people have with angels when they're being directed? Is it uh, audible? Is it uh, just thoughts? Well, that depends on the person. Okay. Okay. There are so many psychic gifts. There's a great book by Marcy Calhoun called, Am I Really Too Sensitive? And um, she equates there's about 600 different types of psychics based on This one has this as a primary gift. This one has this. My primary gift is auditory. I hear. That is my primary gift. That's why to do a reading with someone, I have to hear their voice. So, um, but some people are visionary and they may get a picture of something happening, like a car wreck happening. And they're like, oh, I don't want to go down that street. Something bad may happen. Some people just get it all over, like knowing, like, I just, I'm not going to do this. Whatever you're primary psychic intuitive tools are that is what your angels will work with the most okay because they know what your gifts are based on wherever they're at and how they read you these are the same angels that has been with you since the beginning of time when we spun off from the god body and this is outside of religion you would say angels are outside religion though religions do speak of angelic beings Religions do speak of them, but once you go into study, um, you might even learn that, um, oh, what was his name? Mm, it's on the tip of my tongue. It was a monk who wrote uh, in the 1400s, I believe, 14 or 1600s, one or the other. He wrote a book called The Hierarchy of Angels, Okay. but he wrote it after Dante had completed the Divine Comedy, which... If you've ever read it, it has a lot to do with angels, Purgatorio, uh, uh, Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso. So he covers hell, Purgatory, and heaven. And in there, he's guided by angels through different realms. And so he has a lot to say about angels. It was a work of fiction. And because this particular monk, uh, monk priest, had read that and was very much a fan of that work then when he came out the hierarchy of angels that got sucked into the church's truth so my answer is i don't know interesting interesting but they are there and they are a step above humans energetically vibrationally i don't want to say a step above and let me tell you why Because I asked him about the archangels one time. Okay. And they said, I said, so the hierarchy, they said, there is no hierarchy in angelic realm. I said, what do you mean? They said, we stand in a circle holding hands. Where does the circle end and where does it begin? Yeah, I know. They're just blows your mind, doesn't it? It does, because there it seems based on that 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 would imply that they're existing as one resonant field, the angelic field not even really as individuals with egos, but yet they do manifest differently as different angels, or at least it's been told by history and religions. What are your thoughts on that? Are there individual angels, things like uh, Michael and Raphael, as people talk about? Oh, you're going to get me some hate mail on this one. <laughs> um, 
I love your perspective. This is perfect. I mean, you've had so much contact with angels. Your opinion is, is so valid. Like, I need to hear from you about this. Do I believe Michael comes in and helps you find your car keys? I hope not, because his <laughs> job is to protect the earth from outside influences. So I hope he's not busy dropping his guard and helping Marianne find her car keys when uh, he really should be, I don't know, protecting us against galactic negativity. So you crazy. So you do believe that there are individual angels with consciousness that have a role that are doing some sort of divine work. And then people- okay, the word consciousness is what's throwing me. Okay. And the word ego that you used a minute ago throws me because that's the same thing, actually. But I, I would not say, I don't know how to say they're so They're almost like computer programs. Okay. The only error there is is user error. They have their set programming. They have their set challenges and charges and duties. And no amount of praying to them, begging them, enticing them, nothing will get them off of their off their path. And if their path is to watch, watch you do what you do, help you make the necessary steps to get to the next step in your particular career, shall we say, okay. Jake, then they're not going to veer away. If you say, oh, I really want to take this Netflix gig and they know. That's not in his destiny. That's not in his destiny. Or it's in his destiny, but not for 10 years. So if he goes now, he'll ruin it. They won't let it happen. So think of bowling and those bumper guards that come up for the kids. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> sure. <laughs> that allow you not to not to get yourself in the yes, gutter. Yes, that's what they're there for. Man, have I felt that in my life. The only thing is user error. And here's where we come into free will. Okay. So let's say everything goes against you trying to get on this Netflix thing. And I don't know why I'm saying that. So if I'm tapping into something, I don't mean to. Okay. Yeah. But um, let's say everything is going this, uh, it's, 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 everything is falling bad, but you continue to push through. They will throw everything in your path. But if you, your free will overrides anything. I know I've had those experiences where I've made bad business decisions, even though there were red flags all over the place, including intuition. Yeah. And I still yeah. pushed forward and I had a significant loss, to be honest. Me too. Me too. I do it too. I do it every day. Okay. <laughs> I, I know what I'm talking about, but that doesn't mean I'm a good little soldier. Okay. Because I'm, I used to be redheaded. I'm gray now, but I'm redheaded. I'm stubborn. And I think I know everything. So I'm the perfect storm for an angel, like <laughs> having a nervous breakdown, you know? <laughs> what do you think about the theory about the gins, like the, the lower entities that aren't necessarily angels, but aren't humans. They're kind I, I guess you would say there were lower angels. I, I've just heard this concept of the gin, which was the origin of the genie of these yes. like lower astral the entities. Gin. Yes. Right. What do you think about gin? I'm going to be real blunt with you. Yes, please. Um, I work so much with angels and have them around me so much. We don't let that other stuff come in. Okay. At all. It's not my job. But you believe it exists. I believe a lot of things exist. But you've never encountered them, but it's possible that they're there. Oh, that's not true. I have encountered in the past. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
What was it a There's good experience or I am past the I am past the warrior. I am past my warrior phase. I am now into the sage phase. Okay. That's so why you're here. Fight those battles anymore. Well, that's so yeah. good. I'm, that's why you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I feel the angelic frequency around you, even though we're having a digital experience looking through a camera, you're looking through a camera, but somehow in your picture, I see these colors around you, uh, almost like orb like. And, uh, I also feel that angelic frequency because I've encountered it in my own personal life several times in different forms. So I know it enough to when it, to feel it when it's there, you can pick it up like a signal. See, I, I just think I'm just a regular, like Nana. I'm a regular Nana that just happens to talk to angels <laughs> and manifest out of thin air. But other than that, I'm a regular Nana. But I think that every human has this ability. I think every person can yeah. do what I do in my own way, what you do in a very professional way. We can all do that with training, with understanding. It's just been suppressed by society. You've been told you're crazy if you have those visions. If you're told you're strange. Just turn it off. Turn it off. Turn on the TV. That's kind of what they're telling people. I agree that everyone is <clears throat> everyone is a psychic with a lowercase p. Right. Some are psychic with an uppercase P. And the way to be psychic with an uppercase P, it's a lot of shadow work. It's a lot of breaking down the ego and rebuilding it. It's a lot of accountability and seeing your part in it. The first thing, when you start taking total accountability, you no longer need a demon to blame shit on. Because it's just you. There's no one else that can possibly right. take responsibility right. for your actions. You have total control. And if you shift blame to some external forces, you're giving power to that to keep you suppressed that much longer. Would you say that's accurate? You're giving, you're giving power to an outside whatever, whether it's real or not. But what you're really doing is chaining yourself down with the words justification. Justification of actions is one of the worst things human beings ever learned because it allows you to consciously do negative things to other people and mostly to yourself and justify the reason for it. So justification is one of the things I teach in my classes. It's the worst thing you could ever do to yourself. You know, like, well, um, I owe her $20, but you know what? She borrowed $500 from me three years ago. I'm not even going to bother paying her back because she owes me money. Justification. Instead of doing the right thing, giving her her $20 back, and then it's all back on her again. You've just taken that on yourself with your justification. It sounds also like rationalization, which, which I've heard is rationing lies to the mind. You're rationalizing. That's it. Yeah. Rationalizing. That's right. Perfect. <laughs> I love that. Can I use that? You can put that anywhere you want. I actually got that from the great Bob Proctor, uh, personal development speaker. So uh, I like that. Tell me about your angel drawings, though. So you've had contacts with these angels. So you started drawing them and you've done over 10,000 angel drawings and, and yes. I got to see some of those online. So tell me, tell me how that began and, and what that process is. 
Um, okay. Well, I can, I've been able, like I said, to see them since I was five. Right. But they look like glowing opals. And um, this one will have a little more pink. This one has a little more blue, a little more yellow in that one. And um, I remember one day saying to a woman, oh, gosh, I'd probably been been reading for 12, 15 years, about 12. And I said, I really wish you could see what I see. And I heard, again, I'm clear audience. I heard, pick up a pen and draw us. So I did. And I drew it out in black pen. And she's like, oh, okay. I'm like, okay, it's not exactly, uh, it's the best I could do right now. The next day, a friend of mine was coming to visit from over an hour away. And she walked in and she says, I have something for you. And I said, oh, what is it? She goes, I was cleaning up the closet last night and I ran across these prism art colored pencils, which are some of the best you can get. And she said, my son had had them for um, archaeology class and he just used them for a few days. And I was just told to bring them to you. Okay. It didn't take a house to fall on my sister. Okay. I'm like, okay, I hear you. I hear you. And from that day on, I started using those. And I started drawing what I saw around people. And when I draw them, they're drawn almost like cloaked figures. But they're not really cloaked. But that's the only way we can contain their light is to cloak them. And draw inside of that the colors. And the colors mean something. Each color, each hue, each tone means something different. Really? So you're saying that the, when you draw the cloaks, it's more of a visual containment for you. Personally, you don't actually see the cloaks, but it gives right. you an embodiment for that energy, the color of that energy, that hue you're saying. Correct. And so, so what do some of the hues mean? Like if you saw orange and blue or, or what are some of, the, some of the combinations that have meaning? Okay. Do you see the color I'm wearing here? Yes. The audience, if they're listening, they're not seeing it. It's a dark kind okay. of navy blue. Nope. It's royal. Royal, royal blue. blue. Sorry. That's what I meant to say. The royal navy. It's close. <laughs> cobalt. Cobalt. Okay. And, <laughs> and let's say I had this with a bright orange. Okay. What they would tell me is that person is a writer. That person uh, has an author inside of them. They have books inside of them. They communicate with, cre they create communications. So that could be someone who does languages, a writer, um, teaches speech therapy, uh, works in television, communications of some sort. So that is the color together. That's what that means. Okay. But what kind of colors indicate uh, a need for healing or some sort of trauma or some sort of situation that needs to be addressed? When I see periwinkle blue, when they have me draw periwinkle blue, that means the person is either in need of a healing or a healer themselves. Um, that starts the conversation. After that, uh, I'll say to the angels, you know, does this person need healing on their body? And if so, where? And they have me draw it on the body. So at that point, I go to my client and I say, are you having trouble in your stomach area, your intestines, your, your rectum, your, your teeth, whatever, and um, have that validated by the person. Interesting. So you've done that for people, uh, like they hired you to do these angel drawings or did you just do this voluntarily or how did that work? No, it was part of, it's part of their reading. Okay. Uh, when I was reading a lot, um, 
a lot back in the heyday of my career. Um, basically, under 10 minutes, I can do the drawing of at least three angels. Okay. And the past, the present, the future. Like you were ill, you just got past an illness, or you were a caretaker for someone ill. Yes. Then we go to the next angel. Maybe it's a, a certain color of green, which is, um, it's called a hunter green. Kelly, it's a between a Kelly green and a hunter green. That means that I am moving or changing residence. Oh, interesting. They, I mean, there's thousands of them. There's thousands of the colors. In fact, I'm creating my own um, angel deck and companion book that's called The Secret Language of Angels. Oh, which amazing. is color. And when's that coming out? Oh, I don't know. I've been working on it for a long time. <laughs> I'm down to doing the drawings now. So within 12 months, too far. we'll say a year. Let's put a deadline on it. Let's get her done. Right. I would like to have it done <laughs> by the time we do the cruise, but I don't think that's going to happen this year, but maybe next time. So these angels that you interact with, have they ever had any overarching messages for humanity? Something that they felt compelled to have you tell people Besides what you told me earlier? Um, the ones that I work with a lot come out with inventions. Really? Um, yes. I've worked with several surgeons who, um, during their reading, the, you know, I keep hearing these things and I repeat them. And I, I mean, I'm not a surgeon. I don't know what I'm talking about. And, um, and I'll say, you know, it looks like this. It's this kind of a, it's like eight inches long. It's got a hook. It's got a thing. And they're like, I'm, I'm thinking I need to develop something like that. And they go on with the extra information and invent surgical tools and, and such. Wow. So we've, we've helped in, um, we, they have helped, um, in software development. Um, also, also working with some law and getting new laws put in things like that. But as far as like global humanity, no. Um, the only thing they have ever talked to me about globally is the ascension process that we are going through currently. So, And what have they told you? I'm sure it's a long uh, story of things that they've told you, but if you can just tell us a few things of what they've Not told really. you. Not uh, really. Okay. The main thing is that the, um, and, and if you kind of look at the past few years, you can see the beginning cracks of separating the wheat from the chaff, it's called. Okay. It's even in the Bible, you know. Right. To where people will separate. You will have those who are still engaged in duality and still engaged in um, rationalization <laughs> and, um, you know, trying to make, make sense of their world without healing their wounds. Those who are wounded and do nothing towards healing it, they're not going to ascend. They can't. It's like asking someone to swim with, you know, cement blocks on their feet. You can't. So how you do you rise up if you're still held down? So how do you get help? If, so you're saying that the people that do find the help, they, they notice they're wounded energetically. They've had past traumas. Or they've inflicted traumas and they want to heal from that. Well, they want to be forgiven. If they don't do that, then they're just going to be stuck here in this dimension. Work, keep, keep perpetuatingly yes. living in the cycle. Yes. Yes. 
There is no magic pill to make it all okay. The only thing you can do is work on you. Enlightenment means in light of me. Light meaning knowledge, knowledge of myself. Once you have knowledge of yourself and you accept that self, warts and all, okay? Um, for example, I'm a big girl with big dreams, okay? Okay. I'm overweight. Huh. I know that. That really? is not going to stop me from getting on TV. It's not going to stop me from doing what I need to do because I love that little chubby girl anyway. Well, all I see is a beautiful goddess. You're like literally radiating light on my computer screen. So I well, mean, thank you, sweetie. I mean, <laughs> you're a beautiful human. I'm, you know, oh, thank you. Don't feel but self-conscious, please. It took me a long time to get there. And, and I mean, I'm speaking to everyone listening who thinks they are not enough because the feeling of we are not enough, which has been supported by trauma after trauma and person after person, you know, who gets their jollies by putting you down. We have repeatedly been told we are not enough. And religion absolutely backs that up with the original sin concept. No matter how good you are, you don't have to be good enough. Okay. <laughs> we are good enough we are enough and every one of the quirky odd weird things that i do i love myself for yes and and we have to increase that self-love is what you're saying yes and one of the ways to do it is started start admitting to others who you are okay some of the very most embarrassing things that i do and is in my personality i now blab like somebody the other day said, you know, I want to tell you something, but don't tell anybody. I said, oh, stop right there. I'm the biggest gossip on earth. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Because I'm a gossip. I repeat what I hear. Isn't that my job, Jake? Right. I repeat what I <laughs> yeah. hear. Right. And you you feel okay. well, there's an energy. negative idea. side too, you know. It's like I don't repeat any of my clients' information. I would never do anything like that. And they all know that. But, um, you know, if it's going to be something juicy, don't don't get that to me to hold. I can't take it. Okay. I can't take it. I have a need for intention. So I can't take that. You know that about so, yourself is what you're saying. I know that about myself. Okay. And you know what? I like attention. <laughs> Most people will never admit that about themselves, but the more you admit it, the less hold it has on you, the less embarrassed you feel, the more free you begin to feel. And the more free you begin to feel, you no longer have to access those bad patterns because you don't need them anymore. You become more authentic. Yes. And it does free up energy that, that oh, all God. of that locked so up. It's, it's, it's just keeping you from achieving whatever you're trying to do by doing that, by keeping it locked up, by not just admitting and, and letting that reality surface and, and be real. One of the things in my industry, a lot of people like to do is partner. Let's go together. Let's do this. Let's do that. Now, I have currently have a partner. It's the only person I've ever found that I can actually work with without arguing because I don't work and play well with others. Because you have a certain I way that I, you do things. I think I know it all and I act upon that. <laughs> so it's, you know, by knowing that about yourself and I'm very upfront with my partner, he knows this. And I'm like, you know, Jeremy, honey, I think I, I think I know better in here. And he's like, mm, but do you? Do you really? I'm like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> but you have to just be authentic. And the more authentic you are, the more you will fall in love with yourself. 
you'd be like, I am a quirky old lady, but I like me. Well, this is some of the training that you do as part of the, the healing hearts, right? Correct. So people want to do better. It seems like generally they want to do more. They want to learn more and, and increase their abilities. So you're saying you can do those things at the Healing Hearts Academy that you have. Healing Hearts Academy, yes. Let me explain because I teach the mechanics of metaphysics. Okay. Okay. How to see an aura, how to do dowsing. Why does dowsing work? Why does it not work? You know, why is the government using it? Why is, you know, why could certain people who are great dowsers not leave our country? You know, because they can be a risk to our national security because other countries want to use them. Really interesting. Yes. And so I teach the mechanics of that. And while we're doing that, I, I, I say, think of getting a big block of wood. Okay. And every class that you take, we're carving, we're carving, we're carving. And eventually we have a beautiful armoire. Okay. In front of us, beautiful, hand carved, spectacular. This is all the knowledge you have on the floor, the sawdust. That's your psychic abilities. It is a residual effect of finding your authentic self. Uh, wow. So essentially, as you become truer, you know yourself. They say know thyself. You get to that point, your natural psychic abilities begin to present themselves. And then you can use yes. techniques to hone those things. Yes, because they're no longer rationalized. They're no <laughs> longer, they're no longer uh um push to the side. Oh, I'm just guessing. Oh, it's a coincidence. Oh, this, all that. You will become so authentic that you will see miracles in front of your eyes. And, you know, I never have gotten so blase that I'm like, oh yeah, another miracle. I'm like, oh, look at that. That's amazing. You know, um, but I see them more and more and more and more and more because once you get the human under control, Get it, you know, you got to learn this machine before you go driving it anywhere, right? Right, yes. So we don't. We rush out there half-cocked all the time and create chaos and and pain and misery and all kinds of other things because we don't even know how we're driving. We're driving without a license. So once you begin to hone yourself and get yourself in that right spot, Jake, then you can begin to see miracles because you can begin to create them like that. And you create them with your visualization and also just your kind of your being with, with your being. with your very being wow. just like that because there's nothing limiting you all the things that would have held you into place you're not pretty enough to go on TV you're too fat to do this maybe you're not smart enough to write a book all of these things these inner critics that we have that are meant to stop you. Once you love them, they dissipate. Right. Okay. So they've been between you and being a co-creator. So once they're removed, what would stop you from co-creating? Nothing because everything's infinite because you're tapped into that infinite divinity. Correct. Uh, So this is some of the stuff also you talk about on the metaphysical cruise, which I really want to talk about. So this you did for 10 years prior. It was something similar to what you're doing now, but now you have something new. Tell me all about that. 
Well, I, I used to have Sea Angels Cruises and um, it just became really overwhelming to me to do by myself. And I sold them to one of my students and she did great with it. And I retired from that. And then um, Jeremy McDonald, my partner in this, uh, approached me and he said, you know, I really want to do these cruises. He'd come to me three times over like 10 years and I really want to do them. I said, I'll teach you how to do them. I have no interest in doing them anymore. Um, cut into a year, we're partners. Uh, <laughs> we've done one under the new name of spiritheartcruises.com. And um, it was a wonderful thing. Uh, we'd already almost sold out our next cruise. And then, of course, COVID hit and we had to stop everything. Right. And um, in the end of 2019, the angels said, don't even bother trying to do anything until 2022. So that's what I went with. And I, so I skipped the rest of 19, I skipped 2000, I skipped uh, 2000, uh, help me out. 2021. This, this yes. year. Yeah. So <laughs> we go February and it's called um, the Spirit Heart Cruises, but every conference on board has its own name. And we have an, a, a, a conference okay. full of like 15 presenters that come. And uh, it's called the Mayan Magic and Mystery because we're going to Costa Maya and to Cozumel and also Honduras, but we're doing uh, special ceremonies. One is at the temple of the sun and one is at the temple of the moon. Wow. So yeah, that's pretty amazing. Jeremy's so, leading those. So every year has a different theme. I take it. Every year has a different theme and a different place. Um, we already know in 2023, at some point we're going to be going to Alaska every year. We'll be going to a different place. And it will have some of the same speakers, but uh, they only speak every like every two to three years. And then we ask them to take a few years off. Sure. And we have new speakers, but we always have new things too. Like this year, we have a lady who is a um, psychologist who has studied shamanism for 30 years and is currently in the Amazon basin as we speak studying with the uh, Bibico shamans there. She's going to be teaching a, she's our featured presenter, which means she gets three classes at two hours each. So there'll be six hours of one-on-one -on -one shamanistic training wow. all within this cruise, all within our conference. So you get a room, you get the food, you get all these amenities. And then on top of it, you have this metaphysical conference with all yes, these beautiful and in our people. pricing, which is uh, pretty, I mean, we even drop prices. When they drop theirs, we drop ours. I thought it was and, awesome. I thought the pricing was amazing. Right? I was like, And it includes, <laughs> it, it includes everything. It includes yeah. your court charges, your taxes, and your gratuities, and your conference. Yeah, I did notice that. I thought that was a heck of a deal. We've got a lady that's coming to teach sound therapy with the bowls. Um, we've got a lady that's coming uh, to teach the numerology of the Mayan gods. Oh, wow. She's an archaeologist. I mean, these are people that are that that you may not know their names. They may not be up on the um, New York Times bestsellers. Sure, but that's okay. But they're professionals in is, their field. Yeah, popular isn't always best. Exactly. Okay? And exactly. we've got people that want to teach. They pay their own way to come on this cruise to teach. 
Right, which I that's think that's how is, much they believe in it. That I think that's pretty profound because they're really wanting to get their message out there. And you have mediumship we, too, and like uh, group past life regression, right? Things like that. Uh, we're not doing the past life regression this time, okay. unfortunately. That particular speaker had to uh, leave uh, leave for personal reasons. But sure. what we are doing is we do have group mediumship to, with Dr. Lewis Gates from Casadega Spiritual Camp in Florida. And he'll be doing platform readings. We have uh, Kevin Lee from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, who is going to be talking about precipitation mediumship, which I'd never heard of. And he told me what he does. And I'm fascinated. He has like, uh, well, he has, he's going to be showing what it is about. He's not going to actually be doing it. It takes more energy, but what it is, is like uh, having pens and paper and, and, and paints on a box and, a meditation is done. The mediumship work is done. And then he opens the box and a picture has been drawn. Oh my God. Oh man. Yeah. I bet that's going to be amazing. People. She should definitely check that out. I mean, I'm, I'm interested for sure. It's, it seems like when you get these metaphysical people together, the presenters and the guests, I'm sure all kinds of magical things happen. Oh, it's a, and, and the conference room, get this okay. is on the second floor, which is underwater. <laughs> so i mean you get meditation reiki stuff like that going in there. it's wow. like sparks flying around the room it's amazing yeah i'm sure amazing and plus being on a boat away from the energy of millions and millions of people on a continent is is something on its own you kind of separate and you can amplify yourself i'm sure absolutely and i believe that um $1,125, I believe, is what it costs per person for a balcony room. You can get things less. Balcony is the highest we have except for the suite, of course. And it's six but, nights. It's six nights, which I thought was yeah. very profound. That's your food, your accommodations. That's your entertainment. That's your conference. That's oh getting God. to go to exotic ports. I mean, you'd pay that much for a weekend retreat somewhere. Yeah, just at one of those places. Yes. And for you're what, two speakers, maybe? And you're learning, which is so positive. I mean, that's what we're trying to do with this podcast. And we're you're building to... a family. Yes. You're building a family. Connections. I mean, we have so many people. I've got people that came to my first 10 ones that keep coming. They love it because it's like they end up, usually most of them end up making these their yearly vacations. They can bring their family because the family, you know, while they're going to a two-hour class, the family can go swimming, oh, you know. Oh, my so, God. So there's a lot going on because people are seeking, they want to learn. So if you can kind of splice in a little vacation time with your learning, I mean, the energy of that is really positive. Well, you know, something you might want to consider, Jake, is coming along and doing interviews. Well, you never know. I could do live podcasting. I'll have to check my schedule. We'll talk about it. You never know. Okay, Stay tuned, people. You never know. But, you know, one thing you did say earlier I wanted to touch on is that you didn't do readings anymore. Are you just retired because that's where you're at in life? Or did you hit a breaking point? Why don't you do readings anymore? We've estimated because there was a time that I was on the radio every morning in a different state and city. And I would do anywhere from 15 to 60 readings oh during that time God. block. We've estimated that I've done over 50,000 readings in my career. Wow. I'm tired. Yeah, I understand. I'm tired. I understand. And, you know, I mean, I will take someone new. 
I'm right now I'm like only reading my past clients. And if one of them recommends someone to me, I'll take them. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not really act, actively looking for that. I want to teach. Right. I want to teach. You're at the sage you part know, of your life. You said you're at the sage part of your life. I am. And I like, I like sharing my knowledge and helping someone else go out there and do it versus me setting, doing one-on-ones. Yeah, I understand. And, and, and then all those readings, did you ever have ones that were strange, like really weird or scary? Oh my or? God. Oh my God. Tell me about some of those. Some I can't. I understand. Okay. Some I can't, I can't even without even saying names, I can't even say anything. Um, I have read for some very scary people. Um, I have read for diplomats. Okay. Um, I've read for actresses and actors, but quite honestly, I prefer reading just people who in general life that are like, you know, I, you know, my job is sucking me dry. I don't know what to do. What is my purpose on earth? Things like that versus trying to solve world issues and stuff like that. I'm not good at that. I, I, I just like working with people. And, and I think the angels know that too. That's why I don't get all those, you know, Michael's Raphael's and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, you're, you're, you're big dudes. I just, my own angels have enough on their hands. I don't need, you know, I'm enough. <laughs> right. We don't need to bring in anything else. But um, because I believe that the everyday people, again, most popular is not best. I believe everyday people are the ones that keep this world turning. Yes. And everyday people are getting probably the most prophetic divine messages. Yes. You yes. Know, there's so many people that are My out thing there with is, big bullhorns. People are waking up. Yes. People are waking up now, Jake. I do notice that. They need teachers. And my job is to create teachers. Wow. And that's part of what you do uh, with the Healing Hearts Academy, right? Yes. So, man, yeah, you're pretty multifaceted. You're, you're an incredible human being. You got the cruise. You got the Healing Hearts Academy. You know, you're, you're, you got books, which is pretty amazing. We want to tell us a little bit about your books. Um, my first book is in retirement and all my other books I put on CD Okay. Uh, for people to be able to listen to in the car. Um, I just don't even produce those anymore. I, I've turned them into lessons online. Um, I'm not really good about, <laughs> I, where I fail in my business is I just want to do the reading, do the teaching and move on. The administrative part, I, I fall short on that all the time. Right. So you just want you know, it to be out there and let other people deal with it. Yes. Yes. Let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you how to put on a cruise, Jeremy, and you go do it. And he yeah. comes back, no, no, no. I want you to help. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to empower others yes. a lot. Yes. I think that's a really good thing. And, and that's what we're trying to do because really when you're empowering someone and you're empowering yourself, you're raising your vibration energetically. And if we all collectively raise our vibration, then that's how we get to the United world. That's how we get to that new earth. People have different names for it. I've been going with new earth lately. It seems like we're going to that new earth and it, it's all about raising our frequency, raising our vibration collectively. What do you think about that, Tina? I think, I think you're right. And I think our consciousness as our consciousness raises, however, 
it's been very clear in the world, the whole world, um, especially with this pandemic and everything, that there is a separation coming from people like this, okay. the separation, whether it's racism or I'm not going to wear a mask or, you know, um, you can't come into our country until you've done this or that. You know, I mean, there is a separation that's happening. And it's really in a lot of stuff. It's right down to do you drink organic milk or not? You know, I mean, it's like <laughs> it's it's everywhere. The separation is everywhere more than I've ever seen it in my life, in my lifetime. And I'm a kind of an old chick. But if you'll notice it, it kind of is making you if you were ever on the fence, it's time to choose a side. Right. And Whatever that side is. And if that side is. I'm going to be over here. I'm going to be more open and, and, you know, you do you boo, whatever you are, you know, uh, there you be. Okay. But I'm going to do me. And as you start to do that, you separate yourself from the collective consciousness of duality. Right. So you're saying that picking a side is becoming a more loving person, dropping old habits that are keeping you separate from other people, dropping old perspectives that are judgmental or negative right. or evil, and just becoming more loving, more positive. And that's the side. That's the choice that you're talking about. Right. Right. And just by being random act of kindness, random acts of kindness, for example, little things, they matter. They matter. They, pro you know, when I died and I forgot to tell you this, I did see the last time I saw my life pass before my eyes and it's all in sepitone. And it was like 15 or 16 different little like pictures that flashed like this. And it wasn't big things. It wasn't me getting married. It wasn't having my first child. It was little things like picking up a piece of trash and throwing it in a trash can. Seriously. It was wow. random wow. acts. And I'm wondering if those don't matter more than what we think some of life's big moments are. Yeah, or it, it could all be equal because you're put, yeah, exactly. You could, exactly. You're, you're putting that energy in. There's a choice, a, just a choice. And you have a choice to do something positive, the right thing, or be neutral. Don't do anything right. or do something against it. And every one right. of those choices reflects the greater whole and, and, and contributes. Ripple. That's right. And it reflects your integrity. It uh, reflects who you are. Right. You know, um, we all know, and we've all done it. We've all done it. It's like, I actually heard a, co a comedian talk about this. Um, Eddie Azard talked okay. about, he was doing a comedy act and he's like, you know, you break somebody's lamp and they're like, oh no, don't worry about it. And then you're like, oh no, 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 let me take care of it. I'm so sorry. You know, you, you have all this integrity, but if you'd have done it and they weren't in the room, would you be the same? <laughs> and that was really good because, you know, integrity is done in the dark. Right. True integrity is doing the right thing, whether anybody's watching you or not. So just do the right thing. Don't make a big deal out of it. Just do it and go on. Yeah. Well, I think people like uh, you know, and, and myself included, that there are people watching you when there's no one around. It's your ancestors. Yes. It's your oh, yes. it's your angels. It's your it's the divine. It's God. Literally, it's the entirety of God is with you at every moment, which is something really profound to think about. 
I'm divorced now, but I remember saying to my most recent ex-husband, I said, you realize you just said that in front of God and all of the celestials, right? <laughs> Let me guess. He said, you know, I don't I care. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, yeah, you will. <laughs> So let Wait me you die and see this moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Tina. There is a lot of talk in the mainstream media and just general culture about extraterrestrials, not necessarily angels, but extraterrestrials and even extra dimensionals. These beings that aren't angels, they're not jinn. They're just beings like humans living in another place, whether it's planetary or extra dimensional. What are your thoughts about that? Have you ever contacted anything that you felt was extraterrestrial or do you even believe that they exist? Well, I believe it. See, it's believing. So yes, I believe it. Okay. Um, I believe there's different types. I don't know that much about them. Uh, when I first started in metaphysics, if someone started talking about extraterrestrials, I used to get sick of my stomach. So I think that I had some kind of blockage in place that I didn't want to talk about those. Mm. Um, I've had some experiences, but they're private and they're mine. Sure. Um, and I'm not so sure that angels aren't aliens. The other A word, to be honest. Really? How do I know? How do I know we're not aliens? I mean, I, I kind of think we're not from Earth personally. I think this because of how we need to use things like sunglasses, clothes, all these different things. There's nowhere really on earth that we can live where we're, we can be naked in our environment. Like the animals, the animals That's true. That, that are natural to this planet. They say that Mars, we could exist in that way because we're farther away from the sun. So we may have started on Mars and came over here. There's so many theories. We don't know. We just don't know. We don't know. I know that I have enough right here in this body to deal with <laughs> that if I can just deal with myself and my consciousness and my true path and purpose, all the rest will take care of itself. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Tina, I, I really appreciate you being here. We're creeping up on the hour and a half mark. I, we could probably go on forever, but you know, we do want you to That's come okay. back. We, we want you to come back in the future, be a guest again. We'll, we'll talk more, but I do want to tell people where to find you. Of course, right off the bat, you can go to Tina Michelle.com. And that'll route you to the correct website. And if you're interested in these cruises that we're talking about, which is February 27th through March 5th, 2022, it's six nights, six nights. Yes. You, you heard about the destinations that Tina talked about. It sounds incredible. And you never know, you might find yours truly on that cruise doing interviews with the incredible metaphysical people that are there. So that's a spirit heart cruise. And then you can find out about that at spirit heart cruises.com cruises. yes with an s mm -hmm. spiritheartcruises.com and you want to learn more from tina you want to get a stronger intuitive foundation of course you can go to the healingheartsacademy.com there's a four-part training series it increases your psychic powers your psychic awareness you know she's producing as it says on her website true metaphysicians which i think is really yes. What is needed right now, as Tina said, we need leaders. We talked about that on previous episodes. Right now, if you're feeling that leadership, 
calling. You feel like you've learned some things. You need to be out there teaching people. The great Mary Morrissey said you only need to be two steps ahead of someone to teach them. You don't need to know everything about everything all the time. So be out there. If you're resonating with this information, activate yourself and get out there and and your world, your community, and, and try to share some of this information. And of course, Tina has books that are on CD, The Enlightenment Spiritual Training Series. That's also on her website. And Tina, is there anything before we go? that you want to leave our audience with, you know, we have listeners over 66 countries at this point, since last time I checked, I'm sure there's even more. What can you leave people with? I want to leave you with this. Okay. Never believe that you are not a divine creature. You are a cell in God's body. Each one of us are exactly the same when we spin off and spin off of God's body. And if you are thinking to yourself, why me? Why would God pick me? Why not? Why not? You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to walk on water. I already told you I'm a gossip. Okay. You don't have to be perfect. God is not looking for people who are perfect. In fact, the more imperfect you are, the more you have learned. Correct. That's, that's important. And I have, uh, when I come back, if I do come back, I'll explain life's life is an amusement park. But I'll tell you this, nobody is ever standing in line for two hours to get on the merry-go-round. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Tina. You left that with our audience. I'm so glad you were here. Please hold on the line through the outro music. And everyone, we'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth. Bye-bye.